It's time again for the Scotty Johnny Podcast with your host, Scotty Johnny himself, John Barnett, and the ego himself, Cheddar Talk, Aaron Flottam, talking Wisconsin sports, NFL through D3, college hockey, doesn't matter, two mics, two crusty vets, two opinions, one based in reality, and one based in, what do you bet on Twitter, with music by Delete Great Cars and Trucks. Here's John and Aaron. Welcome, welcome, one and all. Welcome into the Scotty Johnny Podcast. I am your not-so-humble host, Jonathan Barnett. And with me, as per usual, I bring you Cheddar Talk, Aaron Flottam. Hey, John, what's going on, man? Hey, we got a big guest this week. We do. Way to, land, way to land Andy Harmon, Matt. Right. That's awesome. We're fantastically happy podcast? to have Aaron or to have Andy back with us, Aaron. Uh, and it's going to be wonderful. And I don't want to waste a lot of time on our intro on the weird things we normally talk about because we want to use that time to talk to Andy. Um, you don't want to hear what I've been doing on Twitter lately? No. Want to talk to I the guy who knows something about NFL football? <laughs> no. Uh, but we will say that first off, this show is available. Uh, you can follow it on Twitter. Well, Twitter continues to exist um, for, for all of us who are there. And uh, you can follow the show at Scotty Johnny Pod. You can follow me at Not So Humble Host. And Aaron, you're on Twitter. Where do people find you? Um, apparently, some people find me at Cheddar Talk. It's kind of hard to find me right now, but you can find me at Cheddar Talk. And John, I promise, Andy's, Andy's such a Green Bay Packer uh, nation treasure. I will save my questions to the end. Mm. I've only got a couple... Uh, you're the smart guy. You're the <laughs> prosecutor. You interview well, uh, and I want I want you to talk to Andy, and I'll just I'll throw a couple spitballs at the end. Okay, and with that, we'll uh, introduce again uh, Andy Herman, and we will take care of that right away in the segment of the show we like to call our main event. Starting things off with the main event. All right, and so we have. Andy Herman, as promised, and uh, Andy Herman, of course, we're, we're grateful to have you back with us. It's been a hot minute since we've been able to have you with us. Yeah, it's been, uh, like, a, like you said, a hot second. I uh, appreciate you having me back on. Always great chatting with you guys. Yeah, um, as you know, he's um, you've probably heard him. He does the Pack-A-Day podcast, uh, which is fantastic. He does some, also, you have, you've been putting out, uh, especially towards when we get ready for draft and such, you have a lot of good uh, scouting advice for people. So I encourage everybody to follow. It's just Andy Herman NFL on Twitter. He's your fantastic follow. I've been following you for years uh, and we're always just so grateful that you uh, find time for us every now and then too. Well, I really appreciate that. It's uh, always so kind of you guys and yeah, it's fun doing this. I always appreciate uh, getting the opportunity to go on different shows and just kind of talk some Packers. So excited to talk to you guys. (laughs) All right. Uh, so we, we just kind of want to get some time here. I guess the first couple things we wanted to go through and, uh, the biggest one right now is this isn't the season we thought it was going to be. I think that for all of us, we were looking at this team and some of the, I mean, there's been, you know, without having Rashawn Gary and a couple other people out there and it, it's been a little strange and obviously also having uh, Christian Watson miss giant chunks of the first half of the season has been bad. But if you're looking at the team right now, what's the biggest concern you have with this team as it currently sits? How much time do you have? Um, <laughs> right, we can go over a variety of different things. That's why we you I have a. That's thing, why you have a daily podcast because there's so much exactly, to say. Exactly right. <laughs> just a, just a different issue every single day for 365 days. But um, no, I think the thing that's most disconcerting to me and and frustrating to me throughout the course of this season has really been the lack of improvement and the inability to fix mistakes. Right. So you go back to really week one, Minnesota Vikings. You know, Justin Jefferson has the huge game and there's constant miscommunications in the defensive backfield. And you fast forward 13 weeks later and what's still happening, constant miscommunications in the backfield. You go back to early in the season. What's one of the issues that plagued this team? Missed tackles all over the place. You go into the Philadelphia Eagles for much farther into the season. What do you see on tape? Missed tackles all over the place. You know, you see early in the year, a wide receiver group in an offense that literally can't solve cover one press man on the outside, like just can't figure it out to say to literally save their season. They even going against the Detroit lions were secondary in football, just fired their defensive backs coach who green Bay subsequently <laughs> hired. Uh, and they 
can't solve that to like, again, try to save their season when they needed to win desperately. You've got wide receivers getting thrown to the ground legally because they can't hold up at the point of attack and they, they can't fix it. Special teams, you know, going back to last year, this is what eliminated them from the playoffs. And yes, they've made some strides in special teams, but nobody's confusing this for a top tier special teams unit, not even close, not even a mediocre special teams unit. It's still a bad special teams unit. Blocking has been an issue. Fundamentals have been an issue. Miscommunications, errors, all of it. And we've seen it since very early in the season. And we're seeing the exact same things that have been happening again in in week 13 uh, when the when the Packers last played. So all of those things individually, we could certainly talk about as an issue. You know that that's that's hurting this team. But it's it, all of those things are correctable issues. Yet here we sit at the end of this, you know, towards the end of the season, four games left, and none of those issues have been corrected. The only thing that I would say that has gotten better really throughout the course of the season has been the offensive line play. That is something that was brutal to begin the year. And as of late, I would say last three or four weeks since they've really settled in, I know Bakhtiari out right now, but you know, Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Myers, Runyon, Nyman from left to right. Once they kind of settled in and started playing that group together, even Zach Tom filling in for Bakhtiari, that that lineup has started to play a little bit better. Outside of that, you can argue that just about everything has remained the same struggle that it was early in the season. And that's coaching, right? Like that's what you're paid to do is to make those corrections, make those adjustments, you know, find a way to get players operating at their peak performance. And we just haven't seen that all year. And I don't know how that can't be the number one biggest disconcerting thing for this team right now. Okay. So if that's kind of where you are in terms of your biggest concerns and everything you're looking at, is there one change that you have that you most want to see fixed or can you give me a list of the couple of things you'd like to see, I guess? Uh, yeah, that's a really good question. You know, if I could fix one thing, I, I do think it starts with the fundamentals. I do think it start, and I know that's like a Mike McCarthyism where, you know, we got to get back to the fundamentals, but uh, I think true, this yeah. is there, there's been a paradigm shift in the NFL this season and we are seeing th there's always an exception, right? So Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen are going to be exceptions to the rules for a long time. Aaron Rodgers could be that exception, right? Mm -hmm. But th those two quarterbacks are so dang good that you can basically in, in most games kind of do what you want, throw the ball around, do whatever, because they're both just insane and you can get away with it most of the time. But this is an NFL right now where we've seen points come crashing down. Um, where we've seen defenses really make a huge jump this year and where we've seen teams that I take the Philadelphia Eagles as kind of the one a example, but there's so many other teams that you can point to as well that are doing the little things, right? That they are running the football, taking what the defense gives to them, blocking up front, you know, 49ers are a great example uh, as well. Uh, and what they're able to do in the run game, their third string quarterback, Brock Purdy doesn't matter because they're taking what the defense is giving to them and they're being physical up front. They're playing fundamental football, tackling on defense, making sure that you're not giving up the explosive plays. This has been a very tactical season in how teams are making sure that they don't give up explosive plays. But in order to be able to do that, to keep those two safeties high, you have to make sure that you are coming up and being an aggressive tackling team, that you all rally to the football, and that you can hold up at the point of attack up front. You can be a physical, grinded out team up front. Same thing on offense. You've got to be able to run the ball to get that safety down in the box, to get into some cover one looks so you can hit some of those explosives down the field, have them bite on play action, and hope that you can get those explosive plays. We see so many teams right now that don't want to eat their vegetables. They're hoping and praying that they can get those explosive plays, even when the opposing team is playing cover two and those two safeties are deep and they're not giving you explosive plays. And we see so many teams that are hoping and praying that they can get you in third and long so they can bring out their, you know, dime defense and their exotic blitz packages. That all sounds great in theory and practice, but the offenses that are doing good are you in second and three third and one third and short and you don't get to put in those packages and the the best offenses are the ones that are grinding out games and picking up yards on the ground that's not green bay we've seen the exact antithesis and even though we know that going into this season green bay was going to have to change who they were because they didn't have Devonte adams anymore they never really ate their vegetables they never really became a 
team-oriented team, like a, a uh, complementary football team, a team that was willing to run the football, set up their play action, set up their explosives down the field, and stop the run on defense so that they could actually get in some of those third and long situations. So it's a complete lack of complementary football. And I think if, if there's one thing that I would like to see this team get back to in the last four games, it's playing a fundamental brand of football, tackling better, blocking better, and just doing the little things. That's great. And this is the kind of the things where, like, just was it three years ago, the draft, you know, DeGuara to be a, an H-back, essentially, and then brought in uh, A.J. Dillon. They're like, hey, we're going to power running football. We've never we've never been that. We've never turned into that. Um, and, yeah, the offensive line play, I think, is the main reason, too. We've been seeing Dillon looking better recently. So that would be I'm on board with you. Um, so a lot of that seems to come to come down to coaching uh, in, in that regard in terms of First off, using the players in the way that, that we think we could probably use them best and, and getting the players in position to do that. But if, if you're looking at that and trying to get to your, your stated goal here, uh, what's the first position in this offseason, draft or free agent? What's the position you most want to address then to make sure we can start turning into the sort of team that can get these things done? Well, there's a couple <laughs> ways I could go with this and, and answer in a variety of different ways. There's a lot of holes. <laughs> There's a lot of holes and there's a lot of, you know, question marks for how Green Bay handles this offseason, right? So number 1A on the list is just figuring out quarterback first, right? Because they've got a major decision potentially to make between Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love if uh, recent reports um, are true that Jordan Love could potentially, um, you know, ask out of Green Bay if he's not the starter. That becomes a major question mark for Green Bay. Maybe it's a simple decision for them. Maybe they're all in on Rodgers. Rodgers comes back and they move on from Jordan and it's not really, maybe they don't lose much sleep over it. Uh, but if you have the decision to make and you've got a young quarterback that you've invested a lot of time, effort and energy into first and fourth round picks to move up uh, to draft him and you are probably going to get, you know, maybe not pennies on the dollar, but probably, you know, you're, you're not going to get your ROI on your investment if you trade him away this offseason. That's a major question mark. And they're going to have to decide if if that is the case. Do they want to go with maybe one, maybe two more years of Aaron Rodgers with a team that probably doesn't look like they're ready to win the Super Bowl right now? Or do you want to go more the long-term approach? So I think that's the the 1A that they're going to have to address. And then I think right after that, you know, we just talked about the fun team has to get back to playing football the right way. I think it starts on the on the lines, right? They're going to have a major decision on David Bakhtiari and his mm-hmm. contract. Elton Jenkins is an unrestricted free agent. And I think yeah. he's going to get you know, he's ESPN's third highest rated free agent period in the free agent market this year. Green Bay doesn't have a ton of like any money to spend, much less a ton of money to spend. If some team offers him the bag, like, I don't think they're going to be in the conversation. And if all of a sudden, like they, they decide that they need to move on from Bakhtiari due to the injury concerns that they have and the risk that he would, you know, have being on the team and knowing that his knee could give at any given moment. And Elton Jenkins ends up as a, you know, one of the highest paid offensive linemen in football by some other team. All of a sudden, you're going into next season, you know, Zach Tom, question mark at left guard, you know, Josh Myers, John Running Jr., Yash Nyman probably in some capacity, and some major holes up front. So I think offensive line's a position that you could very much have to address, even if, even if you know, addressing it could include, of course, Bakhtiari and Jenkins, but those are all question marks you have to address. And then defensive line, same thing, right? Like Dean Lowry, Jerron Reed, probably both gone. I, you know, you're you're not set up terribly with Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, and TJ Slayton. Uh, but this defensive line hasn't been good enough with TJ, uh, oh, excuse me, with Kenny Clark, um, TJ Slayton, and Devontae Wyatt, and Jerron Reed and Dean Lowry. So mm-hmm. they're going to have to figure out some better depth and a better rotation there. You know, we've said for years, get Kenny help. They tried with Devontae Wyatt. It hasn't really come to fruition so far. Um, so they just have to be better on the lines. And that's, again, kind of goes along with eating your vegetables a little bit. It's not the sexiest, <laughs> but something you have to do. It, it's what football looks like sometimes. It's just what it's supposed to be. So, yeah, I, I, that, that was the one question I was going to have. Oh, hi, Andy, by the way. That was the one question I was going to have coming into this one. It was about the left tackle and the hole that is probably going to be left tackle. Um, so as someone who's a little bit more in tune to the team than I am, and I don't listen to John, I just do a podcast with him. Um, I'm a little bit more up on Yash Nyman than most people are. Is, is is he just a C plus player that I think is a good hole filler or has he actually got some real upside in the Packer line lineman system? If you would have asked me uh, a month, month and a half ago, 
I've been very much, or I was very much on the, this is just a nice fill in. That's a nice story. Undrafted guy, but like not somebody that you would want as one of the core people of your offensive line, like the perfect swing tackle, right? Can play left tackle, can play right tackle, can fill in in a pinch and you don't necessarily have to worry about him. Um, but I never thought he was, you know, he at least hadn't shown to me that he could be a starter that you could necessarily like, like win with and, and be part of the winning solution. When he moved to right tackle, it's so funny because the Green Bay Packers were had so much trepidation about moving him over there. Like it just felt like they didn't believe he could honestly play right tackle and that he'd worked all this time to be a left tackle. And he's looked way better to me at right tackle than he did at left tackle. And I've been really impressed with what he's put on tape since making that move over there. So I think he is a legitimate, um, you know, part of the, the, the equation moving forward. He is going to be a restricted free agent. So Green Bay is going to be able to keep him in town, I would think. My guess would be that they give him a second round tender. I don't think any team's going to give him a huge contract and give Green Bay a second round pick for his services. If they do, you probably tip your hat, say thank you, and move on. Uh, <laughs> but I do think he is probably the Packers starting ta- right tackle next year who could get back to left tackle if something would happen with Bakhtiari where they decide to go in another direction. No, nah, he's, right. he's, he's big and long and strong. That's yeah. he. Yeah. That helps. Want, never mind. But yeah, no, he's a good lineman. I think he really is. And I think he got uh outmatched at left tackle, but I, I believe you are completely right. And thank you for answering that. Sorry, John, I'll, <laughs> I'll get back out of the way now. That's fine. Uh, we've taken up a fair amount of your time here, but the big thing we want to do here, and um, I'm loath to do this as an attorney, cause it's a compound question. Uh, which you're not allowed to ask due to the rules of evidence in any trial. But I'm going to ask you a compound question, which is, in your heart of hearts, do you think the Packers make the playoffs? And secondarily, does it matter? That's that's a great question, and it almost works out well that you asked it that way. The first thing I would say is, no, I do not think they can. Um, of course, there's it's always possible, right? And certainly mm-hmm. it would be awesome if they were able to, to come up with it. If I had to put money down right now, if you told me they either went four and zero uh, or zero and four in the next four games, I would probably lean towards zero and four. This is a team that struggled with the Chicago Bears, and it took them a what eighteen points unanswered in the fourth quarter to to basically put Chicago away. Mm-hmm. Chicago is very much in the conversation with the Texans as having the least talent, especially after guys like Darnell Mooney and Eddie Jackson go down with injuries for the year. You've got Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn traded away midseason. Like that team gave up on the year. They are completely tanking for better draft picks. Like that that team's not even caring. And it took you four quarters to put that team away. Um, And we were very close to having a Packers loss in Chicago. That would, we would be having a completely different conversation going into the bye week and through the bye week. If that ended up being the case had there not been that 18 point comeback by the Packers. They always struggle in Florida. They're going to have to go to Miami on Christmas day and face a pretty darn good dolphins team. Um, I, I think the Lions are playing, you know, the, maybe the best football that they've played in years. And the Lions always yeah. give the Packers trouble, including beating them earlier this season. The Vikings beat the Packers earlier this season. I do think they're a little bit of a, a paper tiger at the top of the division, but it's still a tough football team that's clearly played better than the Packers have. And even the Rams get a little bit of a jolt from Baker Mayfield. And the schedule makers, of course, have done Green Bay no favors this season, where even when Green Bay has a bye week, the Rams basically have a bye week too because they play on Thursday night football and go into Monday night football. So it's like basically almost two weeks off for them anyway. So um, I just think this is a very tough stretch of games for the Packers. And even if they win all four, it's like a coin flip of whether or not they actually get in at that point anyway. So um I don't see that coming to fruition, but to answer the second part of your question, does it matter if they make the playoffs? I will say, if you told me right now that they made the playoffs, you said, Andy, I can, I've, I've been to the future. I know for certain that the Packers make the playoffs. I would tell you, okay, that changes a lot of things because that means they somehow went on a five game win streak, including beating all those teams that I just mentioned and are probably playing their best football of the season. Um, are going into the postseason hot, had a late season bye week, which means they're probably better well and more well-rested than almost any team that's actually in the playoffs. And it's always the team that ends, enters the playoffs hot that ends up making a little bit of noise come playoff time. So I, I think it would matter very much if they actually are somehow able to pull that off. They're going to feel like they are destiny's child, that they've got nothing to lose going in. They were never, you know, they weren't supposed to be there given their record in the first place. So um, while I think the, the chances are extremely slim, if you told me that somehow they actually get there, I think that does matter. And I don't think that's going to be a team that any team would want to play given that set of circumstances. 
And, and I hope one of your two scenarios works out because that's going to help out with the quarterback situation. If they go three and two <laughs> or something like that, that's going to be a problem. Nice. Yeah. It, listen, sports, unfortunately, um, everything's been gamified, right? So it, it's very much <laughs> noticeable True. now that you, you want an A or an F, right? You either want the, the Super Bowl or you want the, the number one pick. Like those are the two almost winners of the season. And it's not, of, of course, entirely that way if you can make a playoff run and things like that. But um, we are definitely getting closer. You know, that it's that way in the NBA. It's that way in Major League Baseball, where if you're not a team that's going to compete at a high end for the playoffs, you're probably better off being a team that's drafting early. So um, I'm not necessarily saying, I think it's probably less the case in the NFL than any other um, league, especially with how much of a crapshoot the NFL draft is. But um, still, we're at the point in sports where, unfortunately, you either kind of want an A or an F and anything in between almost is detrimental. Well, as long as we got Deshaun Jackson returning punts in week 18, we have a chance, right? Yeah, who do the Ravens play in Week 18? Uh, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully it's the Giants or something like that. That wouldn't be that be like how crazy would that be? And I know if you like actually look back, they didn't actually need. It's a whole crazy story, but they didn't actually need the punt return by Jackson. They would have got in by another scenario anyway. But when Jackson did it at the time, it was the easiest path for the Packers to get in, and that just feel like like it sort of started um, the fates of the Packers. But man, wouldn't it be crazy if somehow. Uh, the Ravens faced an NFC team that, and, and they got a win oh. against them. I don't think uh, any of the teams that Green Bay needs to lose face the Ravens, but that would be that would be incredible. No, if like it happens, he Browns. gets a one day con. He gets a one day contract in a corner in the uh, Packer Hall of Fame. That's what <laughs> right, right next so. to uh, who is the Arizona Cardinal? Nate Poole. Nathan um, right, exactly. <laughs> Good job, Blake. That's yes, awesome. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I was at the playoff game at the week after that. There, was, there were a lot of Poole jerseys. It was fun. That's All amazing. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Andy. We appreciate you coming on and, and joining us again here and uh, kind of getting us through our uh, our bye week kind of doldrum of, of no Packers. So uh, thank you again for, for coming on with us this week. Yeah. Thanks a lot, man. You're awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. All right. Bye. All right. So it's fantastic for us again to have Andy back. He's been on the show a couple times. Um, several it's, times. It's he's been a, long a couple time. years, too. I mean, he's gotten super big since the first. I mean, back at what was his we, old Twitter handle back in the day? Now it's at Andy Herman NFL. It NFL. used to be. Yeah. Hi, I'm Andy, I think, or something like that. Right. It was something like, that dude's gotten huge. He's big. Pack yeah. Day podcast is huge. He, like, yeah. He's, and the fact that he comes on our show, that's that's awesome. He's yeah. such a good dude, man. He really he is. is. He's, it's fantastic to have him keep coming back. Um, since we've been talking to him for years, it's nice to have him. Like we said, I mean, he doesn't mention us in his um, his Twitter bio at all, but that's probably just an oversight. He only has about <laughs> forty nine thousand more followers than me. No, just under I was gonna that. Say, I was gonna say, I think we went from back back in the day, back in uh, maybe it might have been on the uh, old podcast. Like we went, we doubled just having him one week. That was nice. <laughs> yeah. So he's fantastic. Yeah, I, he does you know, a good job. Um, especially everybody. Go go listen to his podcast and make sure you uh you follow him because he does great breakdowns of players too, getting ready oh, for the draft. It's fantastic. Hyper hyper analytical and minorly biased. Like he has good <laughs> well, you heard it just during yeah. that part right there. Like he of course he's a Packer fan. That's why he does Pack a Day podcast. But I mean his his takes are pretty down to earth like yeah. that's that's why we love him too so yeah andy <laughs> Herman's good dude yeah um the only thing we'll say with uh badger football this week is several of the players who were cincinnati commits that uh some of them were guys the badgers were trying to get in uh, a couple of them are coming over to wisconsin now so um shoot i'm trying to remember the names uh they have a four-star athlete who is coming over now and uh that's going to be fantastic uh jonas Oh, Duclona, uh, former commit there. He's an All-American Bowl cornerback who is now committed to Wisconsin. He's the guy the Anthony Badgers. Duclona? The guy who got out of Shawshank? Duclona. Not, no, oh, no, no, no. You got that right. And then they also got a uh, four-star athlete who apparently might be the highest rated player the Badgers have ever been able to recruit. So, yeah, we'll see how this all goes. It should be fun. But, Wasn't that the best part on NCAA football when you could get those athletes, like especially yeah. like a five-star athlete, and you didn't know what you were going to do with them? You have and, to re- yeah, go yeah. look at all their their skill sets, and you're like, he's got a big arm. There's always like, yeah, <laughs> you always realize that there's like a five-star athlete that no school's really been recruiting, but he's actually like a 97 speed quarterback with a 90 arm, yeah. and you're like, oh yeah, 
This is a future two-time <laughs> or, Heisman winner. Yeah. 90, 97 speed, 99 break tackle, 99, 97 trucking. You like, know, what is but, going on? But, but of course, when they're freshmen, they're, um, uh, they, well, their agility is way up there. What's the one, what's the one thing that's always short when they're injury freshmen? Stuff like that. Inj- Injuries, injury, those... stamina, and uh, oh, yeah, not not intellect. It uh, what was that? Oh yeah, stack awareness or something. Awareness, sorry, yeah, awareness, yeah. And then you just plug him in as a true freshman, and he runs for four thousand yards in a season. Yeah, our our um, mutual friend Brandon Carlin and I, we used to play as a uh, Wyoming when we were over in Iraq. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, we we ran an I formation all the time. We decided to recruit a four-star guard, but we had like five stars across the line. We redshirted him and turned him into a fullback. And then the next year we got a 330 pound guy wearing number 32 lined up at the front of the eye. <laughs> I loved it. It was fantastic. And then we threw it in. What's, what's crazy is that like back when we used to play NCAA football, you'd get that five-star athlete, you'd turn him into a, a quarterback for Wyoming. And that just happened to be Josh Allen. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Weird. Uh, the other big player movement news that we have is actually Milwaukee Brewers related, which is fun to be able to say. What, what, what? So the Brewers, they gave it's up. It's not even New Year's, John. You're full of ass. Yeah. They, tra- they gave up Estuary Ruiz, who's one of the guys we got in the hater trade. Not not all the guys, just the one. And they pull in uh, Joel Piamps, or Piamps, pardon me, Justin Yeager, uh, both of which are right-handed pitchers. Piamps actually has... A significant major league career. He last year, uh, he pitched. Was it uh, trying to get these right? He pitched. Uh, he had uh, a one point three six WHIP, I believe it looks like, mm-hmm. and uh, he had like a three point three five ERA. So it's like he, yeah, they, he's they, he's they played some like a couple solid, times. Solid, solid middle of the bullpen guys. Like, yeah, he's a middle reliever guy. He doesn't have a lot of yeah. say. He doesn't have any say. Not, not, see, not really. world burners, not Josh Hader, not fireballers, but dudes who, box burgers. Yeah, you know, yeah. Guys who guys and who eat up innings guys, and actually yeah. pull box. And we that's lost. An insult to, that's an insult to box burger because <laughs> box burger could actually be a little bit of burner, but yeah. an, inning, an inning eater nonetheless. So. Yeah, and uh, Yeager's one of these guys. Um, he's just been in the minor leagues. Uh, he's 10 and 5, but uh, he had 16 saves last year, and uh, what? No, he had 16 total saves. He had nine last year, as well as seven holds in 52 innings pitch, 52 and a third, uh, 3.1 ERA, 1.17 whip uh, in uh, minor leagues last year with the Braves. And and so it's like you get those two guys, and you're like, okay, adding more to that okay, bullpen, yeah, guys yeah, you're who can play. Definitely bearing the but lead on this one. This is way. the lead, right? William Contreras. Uh, catcher, we're getting him from the Braves. And this is the fun thing. Three different catchers move around. So Contreras comes to Milwaukee. Oakland right. is giving up Sean Murphy, uh, gold right. glove catcher. So Sean Murphy's going up. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. He's heading, just trying to make sure. He's heading into Atlanta. And Oakland is right. getting Manny Pena. Not from us, but from the Braves. <laughs> so three-team right. trade where we give up one of the guys we got for Hater. So now the Hater trade looks better because somehow we managed to pull this. This is a major win for the Brewers front office. Like huge. Like how is it? First off, yes, Atlanta gets Sean Murphy and is like, this is fantastic for us. We have added a great gold glove catcher and we're giving up an all-star catcher. No, I mean, that's a cleanup hitter. Yeah. And so like the Brewers get a guy who, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be, our lineup is now going to be Yelich, Adamas, Tellez, and then Contreras. Uh, yeah, he batted That's... 278 last year uh, with an 860 uh, OPS and 20 home runs. Right. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a as decent a catcher, power. As a catcher, as a catcher only plays two-thirds of the time. But that yeah. means that the Brewers are probably going to make him play first base. <laughs> no, no, because we need a catcher because uh, we're not going to be bringing back Narvaez. The other thing is he's uh, he's got better numbers than Narvaez. He had a 2.7 war last year, six years younger. He's a step down defensively from what Narvaez was producing in terms of um, his plus minus in terms of the the metrics on average runs created or um, deleted by defensive play. Uh, I think so. He's, he's but it's not it's not going to be noticeable really. Uh, but he is also six years younger. They're both Venezuelan, in fact. Though I found that fun. That that is crazy because it's not a whole lot of Venezuelans. Yeah, and we baseball. went from one Venezuelan catcher to another. This. 
Interesting. This really does make the hater trade more palatable because now we've gotten a real bat for it. It, it, it makes it a little bit more palatable and it also makes it, uh, did I just say palatable? Something. Palatable. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I forget syllables, um, especially once I've had a beer. Um, but yeah, no, it makes it more palatable and um, it makes it feel like the management cares now. Yeah. Because this last year was pretty god awful. And yeah. I don't know if Stearns was burnt out or what. But new guy comes in and makes this trade. And plus, the Brewers are still in pretty good place. They they didn't give up a whole lot for this to happen. No. There's still some farm prospects to be dealt if they want to. Um, because as we learned with um, Sabathia, oh, you yeah. know, it's it, it, remember, remember, we gave up a haul for Sabathia yeah. for that half a for a third of a season. And oh, my God, we just. And Laporta was Wager one of the guys, the and he never went anywhere, yeah. And they never went anywhere. Yeah, Laporta was supposed to be the next great thing, and he never turned out to be anything. So it's like, yeah, yeah it's, you know, it, and that's and that's the weird thing about baseball with the, the dealing of futures. It, it, it's so different, and the Brewers still have more futures to give up, and uh, they're in a good place. And I, I think maybe uh, Anastasio has taken enough heat in the last <laughs> six months about not signing any big players like I, I it, it's it's some someone laid out on Twitter I forget which one it was a reviewing the brew about oh. how Mark Anastasio it's it's not that hard for him to give a player a four-year 30 million dollar a year deal well, it's not that hard for any owner to do that the, no, the twins rich, the, 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 but... the pole lads are the fourth richest family to own any team in baseball but the problem is they use it as an investment tool not as a, uh, a a competitive tool they could really give to give to A's about about winning they're they're just about making money especially in Minnesota but Anastasio time and again has wanted to be competitive and I think he's taken enough heat in the last couple months that maybe he's going to do something I mean as sooner or later you're going to have to sign some pitchers because these guys aren't going to stick stick around for five million dollars a year so yeah, I get, I, I get that. That's always one thing that I find hard though. Is like, they're like, well, you know, they could just give up all their money and pay to make my team better. And you're like, just okay, turn it positive and turn it into a negative, right? Sorry. Yeah, but it's just like, why would, why would a human being do that though? Like, what is, why would somebody? I, I mean, it it does. People always say that because they're like, but it would make me happier. Like, yeah, but, yeah but, okay. But this, but this, but this trade, this trade, I do yeah. believe. It is a, a signal in the right direction. Plus, they got away with murder too. <laughs> they like, did. They absolutely know, destroyed. Just absolute murder. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're you're a prosecutor. I mean, <laughs> I'm this, not. I'm this, gonna let this, this one this go. Goes, <laughs> this goes to trial. Like, wait, we have got what for what? There's something wrong here. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, we are gonna do the you know talk bucks here just because you know it is mid-season we're not quite to the christmas obviously the christmas game is kind of that like hey after this we still don't really care till the playoffs i mean the bucks are going to make the playoffs losing to houston's a weird one though i mean Giannis say, we, played... might, we might we might we might care earlier this year because usually we stop caring when the packers make the playoffs yes we there'll be a lot to, more to go. we might have we might have to start caring more about the bucks earlier this year so yeah it's no just, back to what shot, you said though. this houston houston loss such, such bad dark. shooting grayson allen two of 12 uh middleton only played six minutes he got the start played six minutes goes oh of two yeah just, well, grayson allen grayson allen two of 12 two of so 12 got, connington three of 10 six players yeah yeah connington three of 10 yeah that, that's terrible you can't have Two guys combined for five of twenty-two. That's yeah. You, they shot thirty-six point seven from the field, allowing Houston to get forty-four percent, and that's how you lose a game. Um, you know, you go on the road and don't make your shots. Just not getting anything. Um, I, yeah. I was super busy at work today. I just saw the score. I didn't look into the box score too much. Did Giannis even play? He played thirty-seven minutes in this game. He was seven of seventeen. Uh, he had 16 points, 18 rebounds. He had more rebounds than points. Uh, I mean, like, he's always doing something to try to make this game work. Right. Drew Holiday uh, threw up 20 shots. He had the most shots on the team. Uh, he has as many shots as Portis and Carter together, but made fewer than Portis and Carter did because they combined for 10 of 20. He was 9 of 20. <laughs> Between, you know, among the three of yeah. them, they're shooting roughly 50%. 
But yeah, you still got you know, Bobby or yeah, sorry, uh, Brooke Lopez is is two of eight. Uh, as a team, thirty three of ninety. Uh, mm-hmm. This is it's a blip. That's not how this team shoots. It's not no, how they it's, normally it's, play. It's, it's, it's strange. It's maybe two game season. It's it's half of a baseball season. You know, it's the same as a hockey season. You have games like this that stink. Yeah. And so I would just like to be the first one to note that I am the first. I will admit when I do not watch a game and I did not watch a game, uh, yeah, and, just but just looked at, just looked at the score. Um, but, uh, no, I watched, uh, did three you, quarters of the, I'm hoping watched you watch quarters, the end of the, three quarters of the Mavericks the game. Oh, I watched, go. I watched from halfway through the first quarter of the Mavericks game all the way to the end. And but, that uh, ending yeah. is just fantastic. Like, how did you oh, yeah. just leave Brooke Lopez? And they almost threw such a bad pass. that didn't go in. And then they also like, through a pass that guaranteed that there was going to be enough time for Dallas to go down and kind of take a shot. Um, right. You could have thrown it. He was so wide open. It's one of those ones like uh, Cobb is behind the entire defense, so just don't overthrow him. And they almost threw it into the net on the inbound. Uh, I think it was Giannis inbounding, right? And it's like he's just standing there. He's like going up and has to kind of pull it from underneath and put it up. And it's like you may well, as well have come down like, with it. Luka Doncic just shot at the end. It was garbage. It was the worst shot ever. Luka Doncic is an amazing basketball player, and I can extrapolate that to the to the the Houston game. Houston's one of the worst (laughs) teams in basketball. You know, you have bad nights when you have them. That's what makes the NFL so weird. Is that it's such it's such a small sample size. It's 16 16 games, sorry, seventy games now, over an uh, nineteen week or eighteen week period. Good lord! There you go. Everything's. Uh, I was going to say sixteen over seventeen. No, I mean seventeen over eighteen. And then you know <laughs> now seven teams get into the playoffs. As but but it's just it's such a small sample size. Hockey's a big sample size. Basketball's a big sample size. Baseball's a giant huge. sample size. Soccer is a huge sample size because those I dudes guess. even play games. They play games that mean nothing. <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> they play exhibition games, right? They like, come play in Green Bay and, against a team from Germany and England, play each other in Green Bay. Like, yeah, yeah. Why not? They, they, they play a friendly. You can't play a friendly in football unless it's flag football or the Pro Bowl. So it doesn't happen. Same, same. So that's that's what that's we're talking about sports that are different things. So, I mean, yeah. And, and that's the weirdest thing is that Wisconsin men so football oriented between the, the Badgers and the Packers for so long that they can't comprehend that the Bucks would have a bad game. Yeah. And yeah, you can have a bad game where everything goes wrong and where Giannis is okay. And whatever else, like I said, I can't break that game down, but at the same <laughs> time, that shot at the end of the game from Luka Doncic the other night, was absolute garbage yeah. and the comeback from the bucks was amazing and yeah. yeah i mean that that's that's how basketball rolls and yeah i was and the way that giannis has been playing lately with all the 30 game 30 point games in a row that dude's ever since he had that uh run in with the uh what's it the philadelphia oh yeah he was talking about that too when he had the like the stuffed animal up there and he was like yeah ever since then i've had to kind of focus in on you know, trying to have more fun, be be more of a vocal leader, be out there and, and doing things and not, you know, be locked. Yeah. So he was, he's been, he's, good about that. he's so weird, man. He's, he's so, so foreign. So Greek. It's great. Like the things, the things that you, it's that would Greek set me. you and me, that would set me and you off or any other competitor doesn't do it for him, but that's what set him off. Yeah. It's fine. Whatever sets him <laughs> not, off is great. I'm excited not, for it. Not people talking him down for years in the league, and he's a foreign player, and he he uh, falls, and he he plays like an animal, and all these other quasi-racial things that people say about him. Like, yeah. no, that that isn't what sets him off. The stuffed animal does, and now he plays mad. Okay, go. all right, cool, dude. Whatever. All right. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, it's great. We'll we'll see some more as it gets going here. Is the it's a long season, so we'll see. Um, yeah, we we're going to start former, former months of it. Good okay. Lord. Yeah. When we go into college basketball now, let's start with Marquette though. Uh, Marquette after, after the Wisconsin loss, uh, which was a tight game, they came back and just put it to North Carolina central, which isn't that big a deal. Putting up 90 points. Omax prosper, Olivier Maxence prosper. I just love, you know, the nickname Omax is so good. Uh, he puts the last a, name prosper. It's prosper. such a good last name. Yeah, I, I'm sure he says it some different way because it's he's Quebecois. Yeah. 
But yeah, no, then uh, Maquette with Olivier or Maxence Prosper. The Maquette. Yes. Uh, that was objectively awful of me. But either way, it was just my terrible French accent. Uh, Marquette then also gets to play Notre Dame. That's Marquette a, and okay. Notre just, Dame. I just, I just no. have a whole bunch of people racist for treating okay. Giannis the way they have for the last 10 years. But anyways, yeah, we'll see. Now, let's go awkward. Marquette yeah. and Notre Dame. You know, <laughs> Marquette in downtown Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And Notre Dame, which is also a French word, which, you know, two French words, obviously, that uh, we just decide to pronounce however we want. Uh, and this one, Cam Jones, who has, by the way, he almost beat the Badgers by himself in the, the game they played. Um, they, they should have let him take every shot in the overtime, every single shot, and Marquette probably would have won that game. But um, like I said, Omax Prosper posts up 25 against uh, North Carolina Central. And then uh, Cam Jones comes up, puts up 25 against Notre Dame. He shoots 10 of 20, 4 of 12 from deep. Now, six rebounds, 25 points for uh, Cam Jones. Uh, Prosper gets 14. Igodaro with 16. This, he's got a – it looks just like the uh, stat line Giannis just put up against uh, against uh, uh, Houston because it's 16 points, 18 rebounds, three assists. That was, I mean, it was 16, 18, and four for Giannis. So he does this. Very nice. Igodaro is great. Um, well, I mean, in college it, basketball, that's a whole different yeah, – that's a great yeah. stat line. That's an amazing yeah. stat line. It's a shorter game, too. It's only 40 minutes instead of 48. And, uh, yeah, the game is played differently. So, yeah, fantastic game. Uh, he plays well. They, they go – I'm telling you, uh, they run three lines. They're, they are a hockey team because uh, they're playing Gold, Joplin, it's a Jerry Kennedy, Walson, Lucas, Kaczynski, Jones, and Ross off the bench. Uh, each of them getting at least a minute. Seventeen minutes for Joplin, who only puts up five. He's he's been a fantastic scorer for them this year. He only gets five against Notre Dame. They really did go in terms of their scoring very starter heavy in this game. Only Joplin, Ross, and Jones get more than three minutes in this game from the bench, and normally they go very deep, but. Down the stretch, they they get a couple minutes for a couple guys, just kind of, you know, rotating them in, and getting them going. Uh, keep a lot of the Irish scorers from getting too far ahead. Lashevsky getting twenty on seven of fifteen shooting. Marquette continues to play great. Uh, I think at the end of the year, Marquette's going to be one of the higher ranked teams. Uh, I think they're probably they might be higher ranked than Wisconsin, just depending on how conference play works out. But I think that looking back, Wisconsin's going to look at that game as the one one of the big ones they're going to put on that resume, along with now Maryland beating previously undefeated Maryland. And the fun stat I saw at the end of this game, Wisconsin has won six straight games at the Kohl Center against teams that are eight and oh or better. Yeah, that was an amazing what? stat. Like I and and just not only that, but that and the Badgers have the best record in the Big Ten or the most wins in the Big Ten over the last 10 years. Did you see yeah. that today too? Yeah, they're Crazy. always in that top five, and uh, yeah, everybody yeah. else kind of goes up and down. They they have different, you know, they they, they do well, they do badly. Uh, Wisconsin had a couple good leads in this game and just didn't quite hold it. Uh, at one point in the first, they're up twenty seven fifteen. They pulled away yeah. basically from uh, about halfway through the second half. They were roughly tied, and then Wisconsin just yeah. pulled away from there, and and Maryland never caught back up. Maryland made it look closer at the end than it was because they had a couple big plays at the end, but you know, and that was kind of the we got to follow them. They got to shoot their free throws. Seriously, if Wisconsin shot better on their free throws, it would have been just it would have been a takeaway. Just they just would have walked away with this one. It's it's terrible that they right. didn't shoot as well as what they did down the stretch, especially getting some from like Tyler Wall missing uh, free throws that he normally just hits all the time. Didn't go so well. well yeah, Chucky 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 Hepburn's been on fire recently here right yeah he's played i mean he's starting to look more like what we were really hoping he would look like i mean he he lit up marquette for the half that he played uh, and then he missed almost the entirety of the second half making that big three that basically guaranteed that they at worst got tied going and went into overtime based on that but yeah playing that one they get the the badgers get another overtime game and i'm gonna be very honest and, and uh, you know this game is more important than beating Marquette in terms of rivalry status. Playing Iowa. Iowa looks like you in terms of the, the way they play the game. Marquette has a different style. 
All right. They play a different style. Iowa and Wisconsin are recruiting the same kids. They're they're fighting the same recruiting battles as you know against each other. And uh, they play each other twice a year. And they play each other in every sport. This is a big rivalry in 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 this area of basketball. Illinois is going to be another one, and we're going to see that twice in January. And you know, what, that'll what's, be what, what's close. What's closer to Ma- what's closer to Madison, the Twin Cities or Des Moines? I'm I not, think Des Moines is a little bit further. Well, away, I was right? in Iowa City, and I don't remember if that's closer. That, uh, sorry, or not. that's a good point. Yeah, God, wow, I'm an idiot. Yeah, and but, Iowa State I, is in Ames. I, I went. I went. <laughs> I went to. I went to uh, Iowa wrestling camps when I was a kid. Of course, I know oh. where Iowa City is. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh my God. That but, was a wow! Can we no? You leave this one in here. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll just we'll just we'll, we'll leave a little bit of uh, Aaron's an idiot on this one. Get oh in God. behind the scenes on this show, everybody, because Des Moines oh the one God. you think of. It's you know Des Moines. Um, I just went to Des Moines, so uh, Iowa City from Madison's got to be what four hours, five hours. That's I is, it, is, it equid- is it equidistant to the Twin Cities or not? It might be close. That might be close. Yeah. Okay, definitely yeah. the same recruiting base though. So yeah, yeah. that whole area. So. Um, the Wisconsin's going to have. I didn't realize that three... they could play basketball in Iowa. I just thought they all wrestled. Well, yeah, they, they've had some decent shooters. That's like the thing is like just like Wisconsin, they get some good shooters. Generally speaking, in like fact, single leg shooters. Like, yeah, well, like the, you know, the two highest scoring players on Iowa's team, you know, were the coach's two sons who are on the team. Fran McCaffrey's oh, imagine, imagine sons. That. Same thing in my hometown right now. <laughs> yeah. So, oh yeah. yeah. But but at Iowa, the University of Iowa. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, Nepot- nepotism's awesome. Hey, if they can shoot, they can shoot. Um, his one son put up a uh, twenty-five. Patrick put up twenty. Oh, I'm sorry, twenty-four points. And uh, his other son put up seventeen. That's uh, Connor. Connor McCaffrey. But yeah, no, it was, a, it was an intense game. Went to overtime. Badgers win by three. The next several weeks, they're going to play Lehigh, Grambling, and Western Michigan, all at the Kohl Center. So that should be fun uh, coming up here uh, in the next little bit. So that is all that we have for all of oh, our let, main let, sports. Let, let, Do you have anything else there? Yeah, I was just going to add to that one, too. So um, we uh, miss an invite from friend of the show, Pete. Uh, friend of the show, Pete, is off serving his nation in a uh, – Another time zone right now. Uh, I'll let him disclose. I think I've said where he's at before, but uh, and uh, I would like to have him come in and uh, he has some takes on uh, the the Big East and Marquette. Good. Of course, Pete Big Pete Big Basketball uh, Milwaukee guy, and uh, maybe we'll have to do something where uh, one of us do a one off with him because he is. I won't give him the time zone, but he's that far off. So yeah, we're going to have to do some get big, uh, get uh, get Pete on the show. Let him uh, not only that, but I miss the guy's voice. So, yeah, <laughs> true. All right. Well, thanks for that. And then uh, at this point, everything else that we have, we will wrap up in the segment of the show that we lovingly call our last call. Time to look around and get your bearings. It's time for the last call. All right, for last call, uh, we're going to wrap up. Uh, volleyball season ends for both UW and Marquette this week, unfortunately, as neither of them are going to reach the Final Four. Uh, UW did beat Penn State 3-2 to two in a very rough game. They were Badgers win the first two, uh, 21-19, and 19, but then lose sets 3-4. and four. When Penn State came all the way back and forced a tie-break uh, fifth set. As we say, they played it uh, 15. They win 15-8. to eight. And in that fifth set, Penn State had a 0% kill uh, percentage. Uh, they had five kills and five errors in the fifth set. Uh, Franklin, Sarah Franklin, led the way with 13 kills. Uh, Anna Smack also had 13. Devin Robinson with 11. Uh, Carolyn Crawford, 12 blocks to lead the way. Wisconsin led in blocks 23-9. to It was the highest block rate of the season for Wisconsin, or at least the block total. Not the rate at which they blocked, but the total was the highest. And Crawford leads the way. Daniel Hart, Danielle Hart, and uh, Sarah, or probably Anna Smrek, both with eight. Um, Guchtekin, of course, with 18 blocks. Orzau with, or sorry, Diggs, and Orzau with 16. But the problem is, is then they came up against the Pitt Panthers, and Serena Gray had a had an amazing day at the net and a great day serving. Uh, she was really all over the court, doing very well, getting that team ready. For Pitt and uh, Pitt beats Wisconsin 
two to three. So Wisconsin wins the first set and the fourth set, and then lost the fifth set, fifteen to thirteen. That was an intense match at the end. Uh, Pitt gets up early. A couple bad errors, just unforced errors by Wisconsin, became seven to two. Wisconsin fought its way back to thirteen thirteen. They were playing at the at the uh, down in the the pit there, and uh, you figured at that point Wisconsin was going to find a way to win. They gave up the next two points, including an ace, uh, and, and lose fifteen to thirteen in the last set. Wisconsin had, I believe, nine service errors. I can't remember if they had a tenth, but they had at least nine. And Pitt had eight aces to Wisconsin's four. Um, the, Wisconsin had a higher kill percentage than Pitt. It was just the the errors were just way too much. Devin Robinson went off in this game. 21 kills. Franklin second with 15. Danielle Hart with six blocks. Guchtekin, 24 digs. They were everywhere. They were playing their hearts out. It was a fantastic fight. They just did not get through. Biggest losses that will be coming up where Izzy Ashburn is a senior. I don't know if she has a COVID year or not. Danielle Hart is a fifth-year player. But at the minimum, next year, Julia Orzao, Sarah Franklin, Devin Robinson, Caroline Crawford, Gulce Guchtekin, Anna Smrek, and MJ Hamill all back, it looks like. So that should still be a team that will fight for a championship. Marquette Volleyball came up against the buzzsaw, which is number one ranked Texas. They lose one to three. I believe it's the first set they've lost in the the tournament this year so far. Uh, So they lose. It's uh, 14-13, get 25 in the third set, and lose 25-17 in the fourth. Uh, Jenna Reitzma led led, uh, with 12 kills, also led with 11 digs. Uh, Played very well. Hattie Bray had 10 kills. Uh, and Carson Murray had two blocks to lead a team. Also, Aubrey Hamilton also with two blocks. Hattie Bray actually made the all-region team, so that's great news for Marquette. She will also be back next year. Uh, Yadhira Anchante, Jenna Reitzma, Aubrey Hamilton, Carson Murray, Hattie Bray, a lot of names that we've mentioned a lot leading this team all year. All of them back as juniors or seniors next year. Uh, biggest loss is Carly uh, Scrabeck. Um, she had 10 digs in this game and has been very good as a defensive specialist or a libero. Uh, most likely, you'll see uh, Samantha Neighbor. Uh, she's a junior next year uh, coming into Phil. She this year had 1.46 digs per set. So Marquette, too, should be coming back next year in a very good position to be able to defend uh, or at least go out and get, I guess, they lost in the Big East tournament this year. I think they can win it next year. They had a fantastic record in tournament. And hopefully they can come back and we can see both these teams come back strong. Uh, I think they're going to be playing a game next year at Fiserv. Marquette versus Wisconsin at Fiserv. That could be the highest attended women's volleyball game in in the country. It could break the record. The record right now is the Kohl Center. So that should be a fun one. Get, Get out looking for that next year. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, no. Yeah, Pfizer. Yeah, Pfizer is bigger than uh yeah. Cole Center, isn't it? Okay. I believe so. Uh we do did have I just say, did I just say Cole Center is bigger than Cole Center. I meant to say No, you said Pfizer. Pfizer. Five Pfizer is bigger than Cole Center. Yes. Yeah. Got it. Uh we have Wisconsin Wrestling. Uh now the number 11th ranked Wisconsin Badger Wrestling team. Uh they had the Wisconsin Wrestling Showcase, which was D1, D2, D3, uh three different duels. So Wisconsin was up against Drexel. They beat them 37-3. to That includes a 14-1 to major decision by Eric Barnett at 125, a 22-7 tech fall by Joseph Zargo at 141. Uh, at 149, Austin Gomez gets the, the takedown. He gets the fall, um, the pin. Uh, 157, Garrett Modal gets a major decision, 15-2. to uh, Braxton Amos at 197 gets a major decision at 11 to nothing. And Trent Hilger gets a 16 to nothing tech fall at uh, 285. Right now, uh, your team here, this is this is fun to see. There are three Badger players ranked in the top 10 in their weights. 125, Eric Barnett. Austin Gomez ranked number two right now. And Dean Hamidi uh, ranked number five. All three of them were in the last day of the national uh, tournament last year. So all of them are... Serious contenders to end up in those those sorts of mats at the end of the year. Uh, also ranked 133, Taylor Lamont is number 19. Joseph Zargo, who I mentioned at 141, is 23. Garrett Modal is number 16. 
Uh, Dean, uh, sorry, uh, Braxton Amos we mentioned was 14, and Trent Hilger is 11. Only two Badger players are not ranked top 25 right now, so that's fantastic to see. Uh, it's a good team. It's a good team to watch. In terms of the other team who showed up at the tournament from Wisconsin, UW Lacrosse played at the uh, D3 level. They are the fourth-ranked team in the country right now. They are 7-0, and and they get a 38-6 win over Cornell, but not that Cornell. Cornell as in corn and Iowa. But Cornell University or <laughs> Cornell College maybe in Iowa. Aaron, you made that joke last week, and I think of it. Uh, they get a, they well, get. You're welcome. Yeah, uh, they get two falls. Uh, Kalen jo- uh, John and Noah Lysgang both get uh, falls. Uh, Lysgang at 165, John at uh, 184. Uh, major decisions from Tyler Gable at 149. Uh, Nolan Hertel at 157. Uh, Did you say Gable? Uh, Gables, like G. O-E-B-E-L, Gable. Oh. Uh, ben Kauczynski at 197. You're going to love this, Aaron. Michael Douglas gets a Michael Douglas gets a major decision at 285. Good for you, Michael Douglas. <laughs> Still nice kicking it. Uh, fantastic. Right now, UW-Whitewater is ranked number 10 in the country, and UW-Platteville is ranked number 12, although Platteville is, one, is 0-1 in WIAC right now. Uh, Whitewater this week had a 1919 dual meet against uh, UW Eau Claire. And I don't mean that they played in the style of 1919. I mean, they tied. That's <laughs> just crazy. Uh, fantastic times there. I've, I've never seen a tied wrestling match. Have, have you had that before, Aaron? Uh, it, it, I mean, it happens. It's just it's the, the numbers don't work out very well for it. I mean, there's lots of sixes and threes, but I mean, yeah. it's not. It's like a time football. There's, you know, time baseball, yeah, hockey. Basketball, where everything's ones and twos, you know, it, it's a little bit different. But uh, no, I uh, I was uh, just uh, thinking about what you were saying there, uh, and she said Gable. I was like, wait a second, yeah, no, because no. Gable, because Dan Gable only had girls. He had all girls, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, he's old enough now. He's got to have grandkids that are uh, coming through. Hey, remember when we were deep diving wrestling a couple of years ago? What was the team that somehow stayed at like number five in the nation, even though they were zero and zero? Oh, shoot. Yeah, that was last year. Not last year. This is like was it two years ago? Three years ago. I think it was pre-pandemic. Like, yeah, there was a team that was just was they were still yeah. zero and zero, and they were still like number seven. And I think they went they up quite, one week without playing. I was like, what is going on? Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Yeah, who they were. I can't think of it right now. They went up. They went up. Was it Lehigh? I mean, I know you just said somebody. Lehigh earlier. It was somebody. I can't recall right now though. That's strange. Yeah, I remember that exactly. I can't remember if it was like. Naval Academy or something they, weird. They, and, and we were just wondering, is there a reporting issue here or what? Because they were <laughs> zero and zero and other teams were like 11 and six. And they're like, come on, something's wrong here. All right. Uh, D3 basketball, UW lacrosse. UW lacrosse is still right now the number three ranked team in the country. They're probably going to fall because they suffered their very first loss of the year. They lose 64 oh, to no. 67 to Trine. So the lacrosse Eagles fall to nine and one. The fact that they're a top five team blows my mind. It's crazy. Um, other teams yeah, in we WAC. Just did, we just did a deep dive on trying the other week, too, didn't we? We did. Trying, Indiana. Yeah. Uh, River right. Falls lost to Carroll College in Wisconsin, 61 to 46. UW Platteville lost to Hope, to Hope, Michigan, 64 69. Hope, 69. Uh, UW Whitewater, 83. Defeats Olivet, uh, so it's eighty three sixty seven. Stout loses to Loris in Iowa, eighty three seventy six. Uh, UWS- yeah, UWSP though defeated Trine, uh, fifty three to forty nine, and uh, they are six and three overall right now. But then River Falls uh, in another matchup for River Falls this week lost to Viterbo, Viterbo and Lacrosse, the V Hawks. Yes. So right now, uh, UW Lacrosse on top of the divi- the conference WIC with two and O. Oshkosh is also two and O. Lacrosse is nine and one overall, as I said. Oshkosh seven and two. Right behind them at one and one are Whitewater, Eau Claire, and Point. Women's basketball, the only ranked team from Wisconsin, is number eighteen, UW Whitewater, who sits at like fifth in the conference currently because they're one and one and seven and two overall. Uh, UW Stout is two and zero. They are seven and one overall, but two and zero in the conference. They beat 
Finlandia 58-47 and beat Martin Luther College in Minnesota 84-51. Uh, UW-Eau Claire is also undefeated in, in the conference, but 9-2 overall. They beat, I'm sorry, they lost to Loris, Iowa, 88-79, and they beat Bethany oh, Lutheran. Yes, of course. No, Bethany Lutheran, uh, Eau Claire beats them 79-44. River Falls beats, this is the best, they beat Eureka of Illinois, 99-53. to UWSP what? beats Luther, Luther College in Iowa, 63-52. Uh, to 52. And Whitewater just took it, took uh, Augustana of Illinois to the woodshed, uh, 92-64. to 64. And now we get to the best part. We're down to hockey. UW men just did not have it this weekend. They had to play Minnesota at Minnesota. Uh, it's they, a, they haven't had it in five years, John. Th- two years. Two straight years of being bad right now. Because three years ago, they were in the playoffs. And they had Cole, uh, you know, they had, uh, the Cole Caulfield. But uh, this week, Friday night, they lose 1-7. to seven. Uh, They outshot Minnesota 38-31 to 31 and lost 7-1. to one. Uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin both won in three, one out of three on the power play. The lone goal was from Charlie Strammel, from Cruz Lucius, and Jack Gorniak. In the second game on Saturday, they they lost four to six, so they at least looked like they belonged this time. They were outshot twenty to twenty six. Car- uh, Carson Kuhlman's and Brock Caulfield both got goals to get the Badgers out to a two nothing lead. Then Minnesota scored, scored you know six straight, and then Liam Mal- Malmquist and uh, Anthony Carrer get two goals to make it look respectable in the third period. The women beat up uh, Minnesota State Mankato uh, 5-2 to two and then 5-1. to one. Uh, In the first game, uh, Jesse Camfer, uh, Maddie Wheeler, Caroline Harvey, Kirsten Sims, and Lacey Eden. Lacey Eden is a name we've called a lot this year. Uh, all get goals. In the second game, Britta Curl, who we've mentioned a lot, obviously, too, over the last couple of years, gets two goals. Casey O'Brien, Layla Edwards, and Sophie Shirley each get a goal. Uh, right now, UW is ranked number two in women's hockey, uh, right behind Ohio State. And Minnesota is out there at fifth. Uh, the women are 15-2-1 on the year. In D3, men's hockey has three ranked teams. Uh, UWSP at 11, UW Eau Claire at 18, but St. Norbert's at number five. Uh, Stevens Point got a 6-2 win and a 3-2 win in a home-and-home series against Eau Claire. And then uh, Superior got a 2-1 win over Northland. Superior currently sitting second in the WIAC at uh, 5-2 in conference play. No way. Uh, Yeah, break up Superior, man. No. (laughs) Stout uh, gets, oh, they lose 1-0 and then win 6-3 against uh, River Falls. Uh, Each team won the road end of a home-and-home. Home. Uh, in women's hockey, well, I'm sorry, I forgot St. Norbert, we should mention too. St. Norbert at number five played number four Augsburg. They win 5-3 and then lose 1-2. So yeah, there we are. We've got that set up there. Uh, UW-Stevens Point and UW-Superior sitting on top of the WIAC right now. Uh, Superior not ranked yet, though, but we'll get there, Aaron. We'll get there. Um, in terms of women, UW River Falls number two overall right now. UW Eau Claire ranked number nine, and St. Norbert way down at twenty-one. Uh, River Falls beats Gustavus three to nothing. Eau Claire beats Concordia eight nothing, and then four to two. Superior uh, loses twice in women's hockey. They lose three to one and seven to one to St. Olaf. UWSP loses five to one to Augsburg, and then to round it out, lose five to one to St. Catharines. All right, and that should wrap us up for another week of Wisconsin, wonderful Wisconsin sports. Here, Aaron, did you have anything else to add? Well, John, earlier you mentioned Luther College in Decorah, Iowa, which is home of the Dorian Music Festival. Did you ever do that when you were a kid? No, I know that Luther is a great music school. Uh, my mother-in-law went to she went to Luther. There's a couple good Huge. ones down in that area. Yeah. Yeah, huge music school. So St. Olaf, too, who defeated uh, your your Yellow Jackets <laughs> twice this week in women's hockey. Uh, Lu- uh, UW Superior Cobbers? Yeah, yeah. Is it running this joke into the ground? Yeah, in, yeah not no, yet. Luther's, Luther's a beautiful college. It's in the, uh, it's in the Iowa Coolies. So, and it, uh, 
and also Dave Matthews made his best album there. He had live with Tim Reynolds from Luther College as well. So, you know, Doesn't deep diving these me. colleges as we go along here. Dorian Music Festival, though, I went there in high school uh, okay. because I can I can sing, and uh, they allowed me in there. So, nice. But anyways, that's all that's right. all I had to say. So, yeah, I just wanted to talk right. about Luther College. It was pretty cool. All right, anyway. thank you everybody for joining us from uh, around Wisconsin, around the U.S., and around the world. Uh, we appreciate having you with us. Thank you again to uh, Andy Herman for joining us for this week and giving 100%. us a lot of great uh, insight and a lot of help and depth on this uh, this podcast. I want to say that you should remember to follow the show at Scotty Johnny Pod on Twitter. You can follow me at Not So Humble Host and Aaron at Cheddar Talk. And remember, just whether you are on the town or on the go, it is always on Wisconsin. This has been the Scotty Johnny Podcast. Remember to find the boys on Twitter at Scotty Johnny One or online at ScottyJohnny.com. Thanks for listening and on Wisconsin.